This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 843. What's going on, everyone? This is David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, here today with a Seeing Green episode. In these episodes, we take real estate investing from my perspective as I answer questions from you, our audience, about where you're stuck what opportunities you have, and the best way to play the chess pieces that are sitting on your board. And we have got a great episode for everyone today, including a coaching call that we are going to start off with, and then some other questions from all of you about ways that you're looking to scale your portfolio, but it looks like you took a couple steps in the wrong direction and how to get you put on the right path. Many of you who are listening to this now are going to relate to the questions that our guests ask and you're going to benefit from them as well. So thank you for being here with me. Get ready for a great show. If you'd like to be featured on Seeing Green Yourself, remember, just head over to biggerpockets.com slash David, where you can submit your question, either video or written, and I will hopefully answer it on a future show. Before we get to our first question, today's quick tip is going to be simple. I am here at one of my cabins right now in the Smoky Mountains. I have 12 of them out here, and I'm on a bit of a tour, and I'm going to check out every single cabin I have. I'm going to stay in many of them, and I'm going to get a feel for what it would be like to be the guest here, as well as come up with ways to improve the experience for the guest. This is very important because if you are a short-term rental investor, you may have already seen that the competition is getting fierce. And if you want to stay near the top, you need to learn to look at your home from the perspective of the person staying in it, not the perspective of you that's looking to get as much money as you possibly can. So consider staying in one of your own short-term rentals as well as your competition and see how each one of them makes you feel and what improvements can be done to give a better experience to the guests that you are competing for. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rent to retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, rental retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? (laughs) It's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's 
REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. All right, let's get to our live guest now. Welcome to the show, Shelly. What's on your mind? Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I'm a little bit all over the place, but um, my name is Shelly. I live in Philly with my partner and my five-year-old. Um, what I do for a living is run a bicycle shop. Uh, I opened up the bike shop 13 years ago. Um, at some point, my landlord wanted to sell the building. He said, I want to sell it to you. He told me the price he wanted. I couldn't swing that, but I asked my dad if he wanted to invest, and he said yes. My dad bought this building. We're in a good neighborhood, but the building needed a ton of work. Um, within the first couple of years of ownership, the entire front facade needed to be replaced, and now we are in the process of learning that they did it wrong, and we have to do it again. So it's this like major headache of a problem. Um, however, like kind of somewhere along this same timeline, you know, my partner and I bought a house together. We wanted to move. We decided it made more sense to hang on to the property, rent it out. We bought our next place, wanted to move, rented it out and moved. So we kind of did this, you know, what you guys call house hacking um, type thing, but we were just doing it because that's that was our life. And now we've seen the benefits of doing that. And I've been interested in real estate for a long time. Uh, I want to keep doing this. I also feel like property that my dad owns you know i do the property managing i have enough kind of like you know bits and pieces of this world that i know i like it and i know i'm pretty good at it and we took out a home equity line of credit on our one property um which you guys were talking about like fixed versus variable it's a 3.99 fix for one year and then it turns variable so that seems like not bad right now um So I'm kind of at this point where, A, like my dad kind of wants out of this very, you know, the the property is about a million dollars, not counting some money that he's dumped into it to fix it up. Um, But that being said, he was able to pay it off. uh, And so we have this amazing asset in a good neighborhood that I think is worth investing in. And also we'd be able to pull money out of that to continue to invest in real estate. But he's not on board. He's more like, I you know, make way, way more than this for way less stress in the stock market. Why are we doing this? Yeah, and this is the one with the facade, right? Yeah. So your question is, when do you call it quits on a property? Should you buy out your partner? All that kind of stuff. Or, you know, how, how should you exit this property, right? Yeah. Yeah. How can, yeah. Okay. So you're, I mean, what I like to, what I like from what you said is that you like this, you're in on it, you like the area, you know, you like to you'd like to keep going, right? Even though this property has been super stressful, you see the upside on it. Had you said, "Yeah, this property is a bear. Uh, it's not really that great of a neighborhood. I don't really see why I'm doing this," then the obvious answer is like, try to get out of it. Con- considering that's not your mindset on this, I would really stress maybe trying to figure out how you can keep it. Um, and you have a partner on it that just so happens to be a family member. So you may be able to arrive to some kind of agreement on how you could pay him out. So are you a 50-50 owner of that property? I don't have any ownership. You don't have any ownership. Okay. You you were saying you were property managing for him, right? Yep. So on that note, is your dad like, I know he can make more on the stock market, but is he like, hey, I I need this million dollars like today? Does he have any, is there any opportunity to sell or finance it from him? I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, yes. But then I think comes the other aspect, which is that it does like, if I were to do that, I don't think it would cash flow. <laughs> like, I think he's kind of onto something that it's not a great investment. Uh, so that's what's sort of stressful. It feels more like the appreciation game. Hmm. Okay. Well, that changes things a little bit. Where's all the money going? It feels like 7,300 a month is not that far off from the 975 that it's not, if it's got no debt on it, where's all the money going? It's not that it's not going anywhere. It's that he's looking at his cash on cash return and is like, uh, it's just not a lot of dollars. So here's what's odd. If you put a loan on it, if he did a cash out refinance, his cash on cash return would skyrocket because mm-hmm. he gets all that back in his pocket. And I'm not saying this to tell you that's what you should do, right? I'm saying in his brain, how he's looking at this, if he's only looking at a cash on cash return, there's two levers that affect. And when I started seeing this real estate made a lot more sense, there's in the formula of a cash on cash return, there's two inputs. There's how much profit you make and there's how much money you put into the deal. 
if you pull on the profit lever, you can increase the cash on cash return, but it's like a tiny short little lever. It's very hard to pull. If you pull on how much capital is invested in at your basis and you reduce that, your cash on cash return skyrocket. That's the really tall, big lever with all the leverage. So if he did cash out refi, even with rates higher, the cash flow would go down. His cash on cash return would go up. He would have theoretically whatever money he pulled out of this thing to now go put in the stock market at his higher returns. And he would have effectively owned real estate and stocks using leverage from real estate to buy stocks instead of real estate or stocks. Not telling you that this is my solution right now, but do you think if he understood it from that perspective, it might change how he's looking at this? Perhaps. I mean, I think the whole thing is just beyond stressful um, for him. So that's where I struggle because I'm like, how can I angle this to me? Be like, no, it's fun when it's not my money. You know, why is it stressful for him? Because he's six, he's just looking at that six percent, and he's like, I could do so much better. No, not just the dollars. I mean, the actual act of like, you know, we had to get all of our tenants into Airbnbs when this construction was happening. You know, the bike shop had to close. Like all these things that, you know, dealing with the ins and outs of other people. I think maybe just something like that stuff. Well, that's true. Real estate can suck when that is the case. Like, there's there's no way around it. This is definitely not passive income and. That's one of the reasons that we talk about that is when you buy stocks, it's relatively or completely passive income. You push a button, what return you get, but you just have less control over it. The stock market can collapse and there's not as much you can do versus with real estate. If it starts to go bad, you can jump in there and with some elbow grease and some creativity, you can salvage it. It sounds like he doesn't like having to deal with the tenant issues and the building issues. And then he's saying for the return I'm getting, the juice is not worth the squeeze, right? But are you doing some of that property management work? Like, why is so much of it coming down on him? It's not. It's that. It's that. I, you know, I, I mean, I keep him in the loop. He wants to be in the loop. Um, so I can't just go writing, you know, twenty thousand, thirty thousand, forty thousand dollar checks without checking in. Um, and I think, yeah, every time something comes up, it is a little bit like, yeah, here we go again. Uh, and he's not used to that. That's all that it is. He's not listening to podcasts like this. Listening to all of the tenant problems that we talk about. He's used to buying a stock in something and just looking at the number. And in his mind, he has a baseline set of that's how investing works. Is You don't make decisions. You don't feel any stress. Money just comes to you. So I don't know that, Shelly, you've done anything wrong here. I think his expectations just weren't at the same place that yours were. So maybe let yourself off the hook a little bit as you feel like you let your dad down or did you do something wrong? This is how normal real estate investing works. Now, I'll add this. When Rob and I encounter the same stress he's having, even though we're like, our cash on cash return sucks, all these things went wrong, I'm really stressed out, what we're thinking of is, well, I'm still paying off the mortgage. Well, the values are still going up over time. Well, the rents are going to be higher in five years than they are right now. We've still got so, the tax benefits. Yes, there's a, there's a big tax benefit. We didn't get into that yet, right? So even when the one metric, like cash flow, isn't working that we wanted, there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that stops us from getting discouraged that he doesn't have. He's not seeing that. He's probably not getting tax benefits of of uh, cost segregation studies on a million dollar asset that could save him. If you added that into this, if he was a real estate professional, oh my gosh! And it sheltered all the other uh, money that he's making from his other investments. He's like that six percent return goes to twenty eight percent or something like that. It, w- it would change everything, right? Yeah, but he's probably not a real estate professional, is my guess. Yeah, I was going to ask that because I just listened to that cost seg um, episode and. He did just retire from his, you know, sort of day job. So could he be if this is the only thing he's doing for? Yeah, that's what I was getting at is he may not be right now. You, The question would be, well, dad, if you became a real estate professional and the other thing, Shelly, is this only works if he's making income. Does he have income coming in from other places that he's being taxed on? I mean, he just retired, so not really. What about other investments? I mean, stock market, does that count? <laughs> Ooh, what about the taxes that he would pay on that, on the 6% return? If that was money he made in stocks, he'd pay capital gains taxes on it. But what if the depreciation from the real estate completely sheltered it? That 6% could start to become looking a lot better. And if you also have uh, uh, rent bumps worked into the thing, the tenants, like, can you paint a picture for him that in five years that, that 6% is actually going to be up here? Yeah, perhaps. Well, I think the, the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, he's zeroing in on cash on cash return, but the, the actual metric is really the ROI. And the ROI tends to be you know, pretty significantly higher than that cash on cash because of the things that David talked about, which is debt pay down, appreciation, tax deductions, and cash on cash return. 
when you factor all those in, it actually ends up being a pretty equity growth. Yeah. Equity growth ends up being a pretty juicy like number, I think. I mean, basically, like if you're partnered with somebody who's like not stoked on the property, um, your options are either to convince them that it's a good idea or try and buy them out. And that's kind of it. Yeah. So because this is more of a relationship question than just a real estate question. Right. Because you're like, OK, I like it. Dad doesn't like it. What do I do? Right. Yeah. And from that perspective, you're probably not going to get that horse to drink, even though you've led him to water. He, If he's stuck in his ways, if you've explained to him that this is different than stocks and here's all the other benefits you're getting and he can't get out of that binocular of cash on cash return, you could say, all right, dad, uh, you could sell it. Uh, by the way, has is there rent bumps worked into the leases that you have with the tenants to where it's going to be making more money later? I mean, no, there's typically people just don't haven't stayed. Like historically, people haven't stayed. There's one apartment where someone's been there a long time. Um, but at, every time somebody moves out, we fix stuff up and charge more. Yeah. Is that because the area that it's in is bad? No, it's a great, great neighborhood. Why are you getting so much turnover? I mean, when I say not stay long, I mean like two to three years. Like I think people use it as a, you know, I'll stay in this apartment until I buy a house or until I, like somebody just graduated grad school, they moved to a new city, you know. Well, I guess my other question to you, Shelly, is like, why are you so invested in the deal if you're if you're not an owner of the deal is it because you just like because you're you're property managing it so i imagine you make money from that are you just really like wanting to keep that property management fee because it feels like you could just go property manage for other people now that you have experience totally no i own and operate the bike shop it's on the first floor so it's like if i i guess i get a little bit and when this would happen when the landlord wanted to sell initially that I was like, oh gosh, like who's going to buy this and are we going to get pushed out? That's interesting. So, I mean, I feel like if you sold it, you probably could negotiate. Most of the time, people don't want to inherit tenants, but that's usually like long-term rentals. I feel like commercial tenants may not be the same stigma. So I feel like if you were selling it, that you're inheriting like a, a long-term lease as long as you have good payment history and like you met the owner. I, I don't think you... I think you can negotiate not getting pushed out. Um, looking at the actual... Uh, you, you mentioned that if you sell or finance it, you don't think it would cash flow. If it's a million dollar building and you said the rents are 7,300 bucks total. Yeah. I mean, that's including bike shop rent. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So it does feel like if you were to sell or finance that you're going to be pretty close to a break even depending on the interest rate your dad gives you. Yeah. And I don't think dad's going to be stoked about seller finance because if he's trying to get higher than a 6% return, he's going to want higher than a 6% rate in his mind and then that doesn't make sense for Shelly to do it well yeah but then there's also the case that he's gonna have to pay capital gains on the million bucks so he won't have to pay capital gains but they bought it for 975 what would you sell it for Shelly yeah I mean I, I feel like to break even at this point considering we're gonna have to do the facade again um it, it probably have to be like one 1.2 maybe one one would it be worth that though with, with yeah it, it is a good question and I I don't know I don't know the neighborhood's gone up in value but yeah. So he's, he may not want to sell it because he's going to say, oh, I'm going to lose money if I sell it. Why is the brick facade needing to be continually replaced? What's going on with that? There's a, a wooden beam that has uh, warped and the entire, you know, you've seen one like brick, they, like brick buildings have a belly and sometimes you can reinforce it with star bolts. Um, so this brick, this wooden beam is like what's holding all the bricks up and that's twisting. And the first guy's took all the bricks down, put all the bricks up without replacing that wooden beam. Um. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, it does feel like, do you have any cash that you can put into this or no? Like if you were to buy it from your dad? Yeah. I mean, not anywhere near, you know, those kind of dollars. I mean, well, no, because you bought it for nine seventy five. but what's on the actual, what's actually on the actual debt? Well, there's none. Yeah. I mean, there's none. Oh, okay. Yeah. It is all paid off. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. All right. I think the problem like that investment, if I owned it, I would not be super mad about a 6% cash-on-cash cash return if it's paid off free and clear. When you pay a property off, you're making a conservative bet, and you're really betting on appreciation. Um, it sounds like it's just the paper cuts of little things going wrong that's causing your dad to be frustrated because he's not used to being a real estate investor. And when you first get in, this happens to everybody. You just don't know about things like what you described, about the structure of why the, the brick facade didn't work. And it's an expensive mistake that you make when you're learning, which is why I always tell people, don't jump into something huge on your first one. Just all this stuff's going to go wrong. Like learn with training wheels. So it's a small fall to the ground, not a, you know, you don't want to learn how to ride a bike on a motorcycle type of a thing. Um, your dad probably, like he might just say, yeah, sell it. I don't want to deal with it. But is someone going to pay 975 
when it's a commercial property and commercial paper is, uh, it's a little tricky getting a loan right now. What are you laughing at, Rob? You keep saying, but God, it's facade. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Do you ever do the thing where you read a word and then you say it like your head sees it instead of when it's said out loud? I'm going to be getting roasted in the comments of this right now. Well, our, yeah, uh, my, my wife used to say she had never read Helvetica before. And so one time she's like, oh, why don't you do a Helvetica font? And I was like, Helvetica, what is that? Helvetica? Helvetica? And man, she's like, I've never, no one's ever said it out loud. How am I supposed to know? I don't know That's why that's so funny to me, but it always is. Thank you, Shelly. You got me roasted here by the uh, BP production staff. And Rob, usually Rob is the roasty. He's, I've become the marshmallow and he's become the stick for the first time. I love to see it. <laughs> it's an interesting visual. Okay. All right, Shelly. I don't know that there's any easy answers out, but I don't think it's a terrible deal. It's just a mediocre deal. And I really think moving forward in the real estate space, this will be the norm. Okay. Like mediocrity is the new success in a sense because rates keep going up and everything is going against real estate ownership and the economy is really starting to stall. I don't know that your dad's going to be getting a 6% cash on cash return in the stock market forever. Definitely not with the potential upside of real estate. So I don't, I think first off, you can't keep bearing his upsetness with the whole thing. I would turn it back on your dad and be like, okay, dad, you know, I love you. I want you to feel better. What do you want to do? Because he probably just grumbles to you as the property manager every time something goes wrong because he wants you to fix it, right? And you can't. You're not the one that can go in there and, and fix the mistakes that were made. So I just turn it right back around. Say, okay, what do you want to do? Well, I don't want to deal with this anymore. How do you want to not deal with it? Well, I, I just want to get rid of it. Okay, do you want me to find a broker to sell it for you? Totally understand. Well, do you think it's worth more? I don't know. It might be worth less. Well, I don't want to sell it at a loss. Okay, what do you want to do? You're going to have to keep playing that game to get him to take ownership of this problem. And what you will find is that emotionally, all of a sudden, this burden lifts off of you as you're not having to deal with somebody else's issue because you jumped into this trying to help them and they ended up hurting you. There's a story in The Richest Man in Babylon. It's a really good story. And it talks about how there was an ox that was complaining all the time that the owner would wake him up in the morning and and hook up the thing to his shoulders and he'd have to drag what's the thing that the ox drags the till whatever the the plow thank you for nobody remembering that thank you david for remembering that the ox would have to drag the plow across the dirt and so the donkey was like look here's the deal tomorrow when he comes to wake you up just bellow really loud as if you're sick and he'll feel bad for you and he won't make you work and so when the owner comes to hook the plow up to the ox, the ox bellows really loud like he's sick and it's not going well. The owner tries three or four times and it doesn't work and it and he gives up and instead he gets the donkey and he hooks the plow up to the donkey and he makes the donkey do it, right? And the moral of the story was, which I thought was brilliant, never try to help somebody by taking on their problem, okay? You're, you love your dad. You're trying to fix this for him. You've jumped into the fray to help lighten his load when you have no equity in the deal. And you're dealing with all of the burden and he's not having to carry his own plow right now. Your dad needs to take on his own damn plow. And then you as the property manager should just be acting like the property manager saying to the owner, how do you want to fix it? And I think you'll feel a lot better. Cool. Solid. And if you want to know more about the richest man in Babylon, check out Pillars of Wealth, How to Make, Save, and Invest Your Money to Achieve Financial Freedom, as I borrow heavily from the principles of that book in my own. Available at biggerpockets.com slash pillars. Yeah, I was actually just thinking the sequel to your Burr book could be Burr Den. Oh, that's good. That's very good. Look at this marketing master right here. The Burr Den. <laughs> Removing the bird. <laughs> the only way I can think of Shelly buying it, which she would either have to get a loan to buy it, which would be a she'd probably pay less than the 975 with where rates are, or she'd have to do seller financing, in which case dad would say, well, I don't want to do seller financing because I can get a better return in the stock market. I'd like to see Shelly just like push everything right back to him. Be like, okay, dad, you sit underneath all this stress and you figure out how you want to get rid of it. Yeah. Ultimately, I'd say if the only, the, the real big reason you're invested is because of the bike shop, I don't know if that, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd spend a ton really trying to solve this. I think if you're, if there's a, an opportunity for you to really own this or buy this or negotiate this with your dad, then I'm like, yeah, great. Like push on that. But if it's not, then yeah, I, I think we move, I think try to move on, like try to yeah push that back to your dad. Like David said. Yeah, that makes sense. The see a smile on that face. Next time we talk to you, Shelly, you got to get this burden off your shoulders.
That's the that's the ox's job. Be the donkey. This is a bigger pockets therapy session. Yes, first time that I've ever called somebody a donkey in a positive light. In a positive way. That's right. Because you usually call. Yeah, when you say it to me, it's usually other things. All right. Thanks, Shelly. Let us know how that goes. Thanks. Shelly, for those who may have ideas that we didn't think of because they're always screaming at the radio like, what do you mean? Why are you not telling her this? I feel like there might be somebody out there who's thinking that. How can they get a hold of you to share their advice? Well, I did start an Instagram account for real estate stuff that has a silly name. It is called the Mousing Market, like the housing market, but mousing. And so it's got a picture of a mouse on a house. Um, I, I don't know that that exists. You can also find me at Fairmount Bikes. That is spelled like it sounds with F-A-I-R-M-O-U-N-T-B-I-K-E-S. Bikes. The mousing, the mousing market or. Really easy to say. The mousing market. Oh, I see. Okay. Is that what it is? Is it the mousing market? What? Everyone's got hard Instagram handles today. We're going to have 250,000 bigger pocket sisters trying to help you and they can't find your Instagram account. <laughs> Was it the mousing market? The mousing market? I like it now that I that now that I now that I get it. When you see the mouse in the house, it'll make sense. It'll make more sense. That's right, and that rhymes. You could have just called it that. It's true. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers a targeted 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of net profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, are first in line to get paid. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of a physical asset mitigate downside risk. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by directing your funds from Wall Street to Main Street and supporting local economies. The investment is reserved for accredited investors. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com BP. pinefinancialgroup.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course... 
we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my nine-to-five job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You've heard us talk about it before. High interest rates are crushing real estate investors, leaving even some of the best investors in need of funding now. But with today's liquidity crisis, who can fill the demand? With Fundrise, America's largest direct-to-investor alternative asset manager, you have the opportunity to. Fundrise's new opportunistic private credit strategy was designed specifically for this new market environment. Fundrise supplies high-demand bridge financing on high-quality assets with credit-worthy borrowers. Top real estate investors get the funding they need while you walk away getting paid a healthy interest rate. To date, Fundrise has completed more than $500 million worth of private credit deals with an average net interest of 10.8%, and they've already amassed a pipeline worth more than $300 million. Don't sit on the sidelines. You can take advantage of this unique window of opportunity while it lasts with Fundrise's new private credit strategy. Ready to start? Go to Fundrise.com pockets to learn more. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash pockets. This is a paid endorsement for Fundrise. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All investments can lead to loss. All right. Thank you, Shelly. Thanks, guys. And thank you, Shelly, for bringing such a nuanced and complicated but very beneficial lesson for us all to learn from there. Best of luck with your dad and let us know how that goes. I hope that everyone is getting a lot out of these conversations so far. And thank you for spending your time with us. All BS aside, I know there are so many places that you could be getting your real estate education from, and they are all competing for your attention. So I sincerely appreciate that you're spending it here with me on Seeing Green. As always, please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel as well as share it with someone who you think would benefit from the message. We've got a few comments from other folks who did just that in previous episodes, and we are going to read them in this segment of the show. Our first comment comes via Apple Podcasts, and it's titled Too Good to Be Free. BoatGuy545 says, excellent source of real estate knowledge with a five-star review. So thank you for that, BoatGuy. Appreciate it. From episode 828, we have some YouTube comments. The first one says, love this episode. Your podcast give me motivation when I start to lose steam. So thank you. Ah, thank you for that. That is exactly what I want to do because it is a tough market. It is a tough economy and it can be a tough world to live in. So if we can give you some motivation, that feels great. The next comment says, I'm not sure you can exchange a 1031 house for a multifamily. Are you sure he can do that? I know with the 1031, it has to be a similar kind of investment. This is from JDP0539 in YouTube, and uh, I will break this down for you. So it is called a 1031 like kind exchange, meaning that the trade in order to defer capital gains needs to be for a type of property that is like in nature and kind to the property that you sold. Now, it is something that you can trade a house for an apartment or a house for a multifamily as long as they were both investment properties. My understanding of the law as it's written right now is that is fine. What you can't do is 1031 exchange a primary residence into an investment property, but you can change one type of investment property into another. And that is pretty common. So thank you for pointing that out because we don't want people to get into trouble. But you also gave me an opportunity to highlight what a 1031 like kind exchange is. So thanks for that. Our next comment from Bridge Burner 4824 says more Rob always. The people have spoken and they want more Rob Abasolo on Seeing Green. Let me know in today's show if you want to see more Rob Abasolo on the Seeing Green episodes. All right, our next comment comes from Ramonda Lavinghouse, 3796. Thanks. I started listening to your blog recently, and thanks. I have a question. How do you fire your property manager? Well, okay, that's a good question. The first way is you have to tell them that you're not happy with the service and you want a new property manager, and they may come to you and say, well, you have a contract with us. You need to write it out. I would just say, what do you need from me in order to break the contract? I'm not happy here, and I'd rather end our relationship amicably than have to go leave negative reviews about your company for other investors to see. Now, they 
may have spent some money advertising your property or preparing it. You don't know what kind of a investment they made. So I'd ask about that. And then I would explain that you want out of it and ask if it's a financial thing or other methods that would make them be willing to break the contract, assuming you have one. From Andy's Auto. I must say I'm 32 years old and I've lived in Missouri my whole life. And there are many people here, including myself, that also use the word hella. Well, this is news to me. How did this happen? I am from Northern California, where apparently this word originated. I grew up my whole life in that area and didn't know other people didn't say hella. So we must have had some kind of a transplant that moved from California to Missouri and brought this uh, non-indigenous word into the region where it then took off in this isolated Petri dish of Missouri where it went unchecked. And now much like when you have like a non-native species that gets into an ecosystem with no predators, all the Missourians started saying hella all the time. I know UFC fighter Michael Chandler is a fan of the podcast and he is from Missouri. I'll have to ask him if he has ever said hella and how he feels about it. There's also a very good chance that the cartoon South Park has had some influence in this. If anybody has a theory on how Hella has made its way into Missouri, let me know in the comments. I would like to know how this could have happened. All right, we hella love and we so appreciate the engagement on this show. So please remember to comment about what you would like to see on Seeing Green, what you'd like to change and how you feel about the show in today's YouTube comment section. And also take some time to give us an honest rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. That will help us a ton. Let's get back to taking more questions. Our first video comes from Brighton Daniel in Texas. Hi, David. This is Brighton Daniel from Houston, Texas. And I'm in a bit of a pickle. I've been following and listening to Bigger Pockets for a few years now, and I'm ready to start my first house hack. I went and got an FHA loan and was approved for less than 100000 which is challenging in any market. My question is, how can I best use this loan and amount to set myself up for success moving forward? I've considered getting a second lien with owner financing or possibly a 203K product. Would you suggest any of these ideas or is there a perspective I'm missing? Look forward to your thoughts. Thank you and the Bigger Pockets community for everything. All right, Brighton, great question there. And I do have a perspective that you're probably missing. First off, I'm going to tell you to go to biggerpockets.com slash pillars and buy my new book, Pillars of Wealth, How to Make, Save, and Invest Your Money to Achieve Financial Freedom. Now, here's the reason that I'm telling you to get that book. It is the only book I know of that I've ever seen because I wrote it that explains not only how to invest in real estate with strategies for how to do it, especially getting started, but also how to budget your money better and how to actually make more money. So if you took me out of this position on the podcast, I lost everything and I was dropped off in the middle of Chicago with nothing, I would go get a job at a convenience store. I might work for free for a couple days to show how hard of a worker I am. I would work my way up to the top and I would slowly go get a better job that paid more money and do the same thing over and over and over. There is actually a blueprint to getting ahead in business. Now, many people are listening to podcasts like this, if we're being frank, because they don't want to do that. And I just take a different approach. I say, yeah, invest your money in real estate, learn how to do it, but also work really hard and improve your skills so that you can increase your earning potential because that makes investing a whole lot easier. So here's my advice to you, my friend. Pick up that book and practice the principles in it particularly the first two pillars, defense, which is having a budget and saving money, as well as paying down debt, and offense, which is making more money. Now, doing that is going to improve what we call your debt-to-income ratio or DTI. This is a ratio of how much money you make versus how much money you are spending. And the more favorable you can get that, the higher the pre-approval amount for the real estate that you can buy, that's what's going to make this journey a lot easier for you, sure. You can go use the gimmick strategies of trying to find someone else to partner with you or trying to find some way of creative financing. I'm not against it. If, if that's going to work for you and you can do it, go do it. But it's not practical. For the vast majority of people listening, the best thing that you could do if you want to buy real estate is to change your life to fit the mold of real estate investors. And a successful real estate investor saves their money. You need to pay down your debt. You need to put more money in the bank and increase how much you can put on a down payment. This is going to be very helpful for you as well as very financially healthy. At the same time, you need to ask yourself what you could do to make more money at your job or what job you could get that's going to pay better. Now that's going to push you. It's going to test you. You're going to feel some pressure, 
But if you handle it the right way, that's going to be overall net benefit in your life. Let real estate investing, the third pillar, be the carrot that causes you to improve your performance in the first two and have a well-balanced approach to investing in real estate. All right. Our next question comes from Kate in Cape Cod. Kate says, hi, David, I have a property that is in a living trust. My mom happily lives there now, and I hope she does for as long as she'd like. But after she passes, I'm interested in possibly renting out the property and taking out some sort of equity loan to buy another investment property. Does this even sound like a viable plan? I'm currently broke. How do I even start in the meantime? All right, Kate. So here's the good news. You've got a property that has some equity and you're not in any kind of a rush, which is also good because your mom lives there. Here's the bad news. Getting a loan to get equity out of that property, whether it's a cash out refinance or a HELOC, is going to require you, just like Brighton, to have a debt to income ratio that will support that loan. Okay, part of getting a loan is having the equity to pull out of it, but the other part is having the means to pay that loan back. Loans are not free money, loans are being given money in exchange for a promise to pay that money back with interest. And if you can't pay the money back because you're broke, that's where we need to start. Much like Brighton, you need to check out biggerpockets.com slash pillars and get the book and start working now on what you can do to start making money so that you are no longer broke and saving that money so that you've got a down payment on the next property you want to buy. This is exactly why I wrote this book. And it just so happens to be hitting at a time in the economy when it's very important to read. These are principles. These are fundamentals that people need to get back to. For the last 10 years, we printed a ton of money. The value of real estate has gone up. NFTs have gone up. Crypto's gone up. There's been a whole lot of strategies that you could create wealth easily. And then when you head into a bad economy, all that stuff goes away. Now's the time to get out of being broke to develop some good, healthy financial uh, fundamentals and strategies and habits so that you can get that loan when your mom passes and you're able to be a real estate investor. Let me know in the comments what you think as well as what you think when you read the book. And if you'd like to learn how to be better, be sure to listen to Bigger Pockets Podcast 844 with Rob and I, where we interview Jib Quick, and he explains exactly how to do the stuff I'm saying at a higher level. It will be the episode that comes out right after this one. And from Mike Rendon in Georgia. Hello, David and the Bigger Pockets team. Uh, first of all, thank you for all the content you guys put out. Uh, love the podcast. Uh, Rob was a great addition to the team. Been following him for a little over a year. Uh, so thank you for all you guys do. Um, as for my question, uh, I wanted to ask to, to see if you guys have any strategies or ideas how I could get a mortgage uh, for a home to live in. Uh, the reason that it's kind of difficult right now is because I, I put 20% down on a short-term rental uh, about a year and a half ago, approximately. And that place is cash flowing. It's doing great. It's got about 19 months of rental history. I also have another short-term rental that I purchased 13 months ago. Uh, I've, I've been living in the home. It, it's in Blue Ridge, Georgia. So I actually moved my family from uh, where we are used to in Florida. And we kind of moved to the mountains, middle of nowhere to to be able to only put 5% down on this cabin and fix it up, which we've now completed and it's been cash flowing for one month. So we're having a difficult time now finding a way to find, to, to get a mortgage on a third home, uh, ideally back in Florida so we can get back home. Um, we now have these two great cash flowing properties, but one only has one month of history. One has 19 months of history. So it's, it's making it difficult to get another mortgage because my DTI is maxed out. So just looking at um, for any ideas, thoughts, uh, one issue that is getting in the way just to kind of throw this out there is I've got a 3.75% rate on both these mortgages. So um, if I refinance any of them, it pushes my DTI high. It, it's already about 55% now. Uh, so yeah, just looking for any ideas that you guys might have. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Mike. This is incredible that we've had three questions in a row with very similar issues. Apparently, many of you out there are in the same boat. Now, let me just take a stab at why I think that this may have happened. 
You've been listening to Real Estate Podcasts, maybe even this one, maybe other Bigger Pockets podcasts, maybe stuff you hear on YouTube that have been telling you how to scale, 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 buy, 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 pull equity out of something, buy the next one. Now, that has been a good strategy when the value of real estate and the rents were going up. The problem is many of you were doing this because you wanted to quit that J-O-B. And as you've had success and you've been able to scale, just like Mike here has, you realize I kind of need that J-O-B because I can't get approved for financing of additional homes, which is something for years I've been saying. There is a contingency of people that can quit their job and be full-time investors, but it's not the majority of us. The majority of people should continue working. Now, the obvious answer is because you need a debt-to-income ratio that will allow you to get future loans. You have to be able to show the lender that you can pay it back, and having a job helps, but it's not just that. Having a job is also very useful when things break in a property that you didn't know would. Being able to save money and put it away is something that you need when you're real estate investing. And many of the gurus out there won't tell you that part. They'll just tell you that if you give them your money or your attention, you can get a portfolio that allows you to quit the job. Now, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here, Mike, because like you said, you have some cash flowing properties that have really good interest rates. So you don't want to sell them but you're not going to be able to buy another house if you want to move back home because your debt to income ratio is max. So a couple options for you here. One, consider taking the knowledge that you have and applying it to something that will earn you money. If you're self-managing these properties, consider managing properties for other people. Consider getting a job for a property management company to earn some extra money. That will make a huge positive dent on your debt to income ratio. Now, mortgage companies like mine can actually give loans to people when they don't have W-2 jobs. We can qualify people based off of the money that they have made in their contractor or 1099 type positions, but you gotta have a minimum of a year making that money for it to be eligible. So that's where I think you should go is you don't have to go to a job you hate, but go to a job within real estate, which you presumably love if you're doing this. Another option is that you could house hack in Jacksonville, but reverse where you rent a room or a space from someone else. Rather than own the house and rent out parts of it, can you keep your mortgage low by renting out from somebody else that's house hacking? Support a fellow real estate investor, saving up your money and improving your debt to income ratio so that you can buy your own house later. Guys, I don't have a crystal ball. I've said this many times. I do my best to try to paint a picture of what I think is going to happen in the economy because those type of factors do affect investment decisions. And I feel like for the first time since I've been in a position of influence in the real estate investing space, we are going to head into a pretty rough economy. Again, I hope I'm wrong. In the past, we've seen we've seen uh, bad signs, but the government came out and said, we're going to print a bunch of money. We're going to have quantitative easing. And I told everybody else, I don't think the sky is falling. I think you need to go buy real estate. And I was right. The people that listened did really well. Well, now is a time where I'm saying, I don't think you should sell your real estate because I don't see any signs that the values of it are going to plummet. But I do think your ability to buy more of it is going to get significantly harder. I think that real estate overall is going to make less money and perform not as good as it did in the past, but it's still going to vastly outperform all the other investment options. And as the entire economy sort of slips into a recession, which who knows how long it'll be and who knows how bad it will get, having financial security is going to look like a positive thing, not the negative thing that it's been painted as for so long now, where if you had a job, you were called a joke or you were shamed by the people that quit their job to ride off into the sunset and drink those Mai Tais on the beach. I think you may see a lot of people going back, trying to get jobs and realizing that there's not as many jobs to be had. Again, I hope I'm wrong but I'd rather prepare you for the worst so that you're in a better financial position than if you assume the best and you end up sorely mistaken. So Mike, you seem like a guy who's smart. You seem like you got a good work ethic. You've already done well getting these properties. If you want to get more properties, you're going to have to improve your debt to income ratio. My advice is you do that within the world of real estate investing. And I have a chapter specifically on that topic in Pillars of Wealth, where you can go check that out and get some ideas of how you can make money in the world of real estate, but not as an investor, as somebody who's working in the space, often as a 1099 type employee. I'd love to see the entire army or ocean of bigger pockets listeners jump into the space and take over as the best real estate agents, the best loan officers, the best property managers, the best contractors. Wouldn't you love it if the handyman that you hired listens to bigger pockets? If the contractor that you hired listens to bigger pockets, if your accountant and your CPA were all BP fans that understood the same things that you do and had the same goals as you you 
and we could all create a community of people that had each other's back. That's the vision that I'd like to see. Let me know in the comments if you agree with this and if you have considered getting out of a job that you don't like or maybe you've been laid off and getting into a job and into the realm of real estate as a whole. All right, that was our last question for today. Thank you all for being here. This is fantastic. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And we've had a great response from all of you. So please remember, if you're listening to this on YouTube, to leave us a comment about what you thought of today's show that we could hopefully read on a future episode. And if you're listening to this on a podcast app, please go leave us a five-star review and let the world know why you love Bigger Pockets. Those help a ton as we're trying to stay at the top of the podcast space in the business segment of Apple Podcasts. All right. In today's show, we covered what is in The Richest Man in Babylon. Remember, Bigger Pocket sells that book. It's a very short book, but a very powerful book. So go pick up on thebiggerpockets.com slash store, The Richest Man in Babylon, and get some advice that Shelly received when it comes to taking on other people's problems that are not yours and how you can avoid it, as well as only investing in things you understand and great, timeless financial wisdom. We talked about what options you have when house hack financing doesn't come in where you would need it. We talked about when to keep your job, when to get a new job, how to improve your debt to income ratio, and why DTI is so dang important. Don't buy the hype. This stuff matters. And the people that build great big portfolios that retire better are people that continually worked at a job that was sustainable for them, that they enjoyed, that they did not hate, and built their portfolio up over time as well as inheriting a property and what to do to prepare yourself in the meantime. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let me know in the comments what you thought. You can find more about me at davidgreen24.com or on Instagram or other social media at davidgreen24. I will see you guys on the next Seeing Green. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.